Hello and welcome to Think About Eurovision, a Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a Eurovision fanatic from the UK. And me, Kim, a Eurovision fanatic from Canada. Today we're going to be taking a look at a more recent contest, but still a few years back. Oh my god, it's over a decade ago. I'm thinking <laughs> in my head it's really recent. It's not, it's over 11 years ago. Um, so Oslo, Norway in 2010. Yeah, time flies, doesn't it? 2010 oh. doesn't feel like all that long ago, but it was... It was a while ago. And to be honest, like, I definitely felt, I felt that it was uh, a little while ago in watching this uh, Eurovision. It definitely had 2010 vibes. Yeah, I mean, because I don't know how it, my, my sort of knowledge of things like this is limited, but I know in the UK, in, in Europe at the time, massive sort of credit crunch, it was called over here, where no one had any money. Oh, really? Um, in so 2010? it did impact on the uh, production of the 2010 contest. Oh, okay. So that makes a lot of sense. When I was talking about 2010 vibes, I was specifically referring to the flash mobs because that was like the flash mob heyday. <laughs> but it's so true. I mean, like that's, uh, I mean, uh, 2008 was a very challenging year in North America and the U.S. in particular. I'm not sure uh, if the 2010 crunch was for similar reasons with the housing bust, but yeah, fair enough. That was not a great time economically, so I maybe will have to cut a little more slack than I originally was intending to in my 2010 review, because <laughs> it did feel a little lackluster, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about more, more about the flash mobs later, because... Um... Yeah, those flash mobs were something. Remember when they were such a big thing? <laughs> uh, did you ever do a flash, flash mob? No, I did not. Did you? I I continuously sort of said, yeah, I'll do it. And then I got to a day I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to. <laughs> I've got better things to do in my life, namely I, sitting around watching telly. I remember when I discovered flash mobs, like when I saw them for the first time, that I just like, I went in deep you know, down the rabbit hole on the internet, I thought it was just the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, Do you uh, still feel that way? I mean, no. Oh, to be <laughs> 2010 and living, I don't know, the, the naive, <laughs> the naive life of yesteryear in 2010. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, um, I mean, as I say about the credit, credit crisis, credit crunch, whatever they called it, the financial crisis, that's the word I'm looking for. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, one thing I was reading up on is that Norway to, I'm going to refer to the Eurovision movie a lot, I think, during this uh, podcast, Okay. this particular episode, because there's so many things that make me think of it. But we can start off with the fact that during the um, financial crisis um, back in the early 2010s, we, we know that hosting Eurovision is expensive. Yes. So the channel uh, NRK in Norway, which handles all Eurovision-related um, TV events and everything like that, had to sell their rights for the 2010 World Cup to oh. afford for Eurovision. Oh, wow. If only they'd blown up their winner. <sighs> that was a sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a sacrifice worth making because I think football is absolute garbage. 
I mean, I also don't watch football, but I mean, yeah, it's just a difficult position to be put in, right? Like, yeah. you know, because they are both extremely popular, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, f- I feel like Eurovision was the right call. Obviously. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I know from a financial sort of perspective, maybe they'd make more money from advertising on World Cup matches. Mm. But, you know, it's all about us Eurovision fans, not football fans. They get plenty of attention. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I do have to say that I suddenly feel very guilty for, um, my intended comments, but, uh, if I'm sort of summing up the 2010 Eurovision final for me, it was fine. It was, was not one of my favorite years that we have covered. It felt a little bit, um, underwhelming and now you have put that into context. So I feel like a bit of a garbage person, but I, uh, but it's true, (laughs) but it, it was a little underwhelming for me and now I understand why. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely did feel like it was done, not done on the cheap because, you know, it wasn't done on the cheap. It cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it. Everything was back to basics, I would say, would be the word or the phrase. Uh, there was right. nothing over the top, including their yeah. hosts. That's true. Although, I mean, there was still some great spectacle. Uh, so, you know, thinking about some of the uh, performances, like Turkey had a big sort of pyrotechnics, you know, um like fire or something uh there was you know there was still some of the flash and uh camp and all of the things that you expect from eurovision there was some heavy wind machine usage in some wind machines don't cost too much and they've got a great impact so they First make the song, best wind machine. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah uh, if you're interested um it cost around 24 million euros to put on the contest at today's rate. Wow, okay, so 24 million euros is what it cost in the um in you know today's equivalent it, in yeah. 2010 and that is on a slim budget. So, uh you can imagine it would cost a lot more than that in in some other years. So that is very expensive. Yeah, I mean I I think uh Sweden would have spent a lot of money when they had love love peace peace happening. Right, yeah. That's a lot of props to get pay for yeah you could feel the money in that one (laughs) um yeah so this was quite um bare bones you're right so the halftime shows there was a a halftime performer but a lot of it was also the flash mob uh which we'll talk about later but it was sort of just people dancing in various countries which was very fun but not not a huge spectacle there wasn't a big flag ceremony there were minimal postcards um yeah i mean the postcards it was literally them sort of showing a crowd uh, in the um contestants home country and then a shot of them on stage yes yeah and then like a sort of cgi sort of pixel version of their flag very simple very simple yes exactly I didn't um, like it that much. It got a bit repetitive. Yeah, I did not. I didn't love it either. Um, and the hosts, um, they seemed lovely, but uh, there was some awkward moments. The, the hosting um, for me, it was fine. It was fine. I agree. Yeah, they didn't sort of add any spice or colour to the events. They were just oh. there to introduce what was happening and, you know announcer scores 
Right. Oh, there was there was one moment. I know we're bouncing all over the place, but there's one moment now where uh, that I'm thinking of in the voting, and the um, female host in the red dress. I don't rem- I don't remember their names, but she was the one who was um, taking the votes and yeah. greeting the various um, representatives. And there was one uh, where they were like, um, "Host's name? Could you do a favor for me?" And she just stands and says nothing. She does not <laughs> reply. It's so awkward. And so there's this really like long moment of silence before the representative just continues on and says, can you tell so-and-so that we loved him wearing uh, the shirt from our country on Tuesday or whatever? So it was just like, it was a, like a silly thing. I hate it when the representatives sort of go off script in that way, but it made it 10 times worse that she just stood there with a blank look and didn't even reply i don't know <laughs> were you just I, wanting were you just sort of cringing yourself yes just cringing. Like, just wanting the earth to open up and eat you up yes and so then you didn't have to watch it anymore you know i hate it too when there's the super awkward conversations with the uh performers like during the intermission and stuff it's oh and i found this year to be particularly bad um but i mean i'll give some credit too so um the male host when he was doing that all in one long shot when he was like um you know have a pizza get a snack he's like holding pizzas he's like turning on a microwave he's ripping off his tuxedo to show a sparkly number underneath he's popping champagne he's like that was fun and he he had one shot at that, and he did not miss. So no, that was good. That was a good yeah. moment. Yeah, I, I, like I that. would have um, rather he had more to do on a night. He had the most sort of charisma. Charisma, yes, yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, overall, I mean, the hosts are always a little bit awkward. I did not find these hosts to be particularly you know, bad in comparison to some others, but there are standouts of good hosts, which we have yeah. talked about before. And you say you're always awkward, them. obviously. <laughs> Mons and Petra. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's right. They're the exception, that proves the rule. They are the exception, yes. Um, so yeah, we um, open up with that sort of sequence starting in 1956, the first ever Eurovision of a family sitting down to watch Eurovision. Yes. And then we get Alexander Ryback. My favorite. <laughs> Your favorite. Oh. I liked it. I mean, I enjoyed it. I would not be a good Nova Scotian if I did not appreciate a good fiddle. So I was here for it. I I, I like I, I like a good bit of um, fiddle music. That's good. I even liked the song. I just I find Alexander just grates on me. Yeah, I, I don't can know see what that. It is. I mean, um. Uh, like, oh, uh, I have, I, I don't know if this is, um, the, I don't know if this is a Canadian thing or whatever, but I tend to be sort of turned off by people who are, um, overly kind of smug in their knowledge or, uh, I guess, you know, uh, feelings of, uh, I don't know, like, 
like overconfidence kind of in a smug way where it's like they feel like they're you know their shit don't stink for lack of a better <laughs> a better word do you know what i mean and yeah. like i mean he, he's doing a great a great job don't get me wrong but i get a hint of that from him where it was just like a little bit of like yeah i'm amazing and get a load of me where it's like okay well <laughs> you, ain't you all are that. doing great but you're what's that you ain't all that yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a if that's a good way to describe what I'm talking about. But but sometimes when I get a hint of that, I was like, okay, humble yourself a little bit. But you are doing great, so I guess I can't blame you. <laughs> um. Anyway, I thought I thought that that was a good performance. Yeah, it was okay. Um, and this the the hosts don't have much to do before we jump into the first song. Well, the one weird thing is I noticed. You could, at this Eurovision, you could vote during the performances. Yes, which I found so weird. Like, they did not continue that, did they? No, it's been dropped. I don't know how long they did that for. But they they definitely don't do it anymore. Um, I find that bizarre. How are you going to vote before you've seen all the performances? And I know that in many cases that they have seen the performances in past, you know, in the finales and whatever, but... I don't think that that makes sense. I would argue that probably 50%, if I had to guess, uh, people who watch and participate in voting for Eurovision Acts only watch a final. Right, okay. Yeah, so, th- I mean, it doesn't make sense. And then to the point that you have raised multiple times, the big five, they don't go to the final. And so um, this would be a an example where they really would be hurt by not having been to the final because if people have already decided and are voting before they've even seen the performances, then, like, they don't really get a fair shake. That's true. It's just some extent. But, however, we've got to bear in mind, the winner of a 2010 Eurovision contest was one of the big four at the time, because Italy weren't taking part. Right. And also came 22nd out of 25 acts. So it yeah. didn't hurt them too much, at least. Yeah, didn't that's fair. Enough that they did win. <laughs> that's fair. That is fair. Um, yeah, I guess uh, point not valid. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but I still think I still think it makes sense that they did not keep that. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. Um. So, have you got your tops and your bottoms? I do. Um. So I found the songs to be a little bit different this year. It was. Um, I guess different styles than is usual. There's always, there's like, there's usually always a, uh, a bit more of a mix in my opinion of like some ballads and some folky stuff and whatever. 2010 seems to be a lot of sort of sort of like techno boppy, um, dance songs, uh, which I wasn't mad at, but it just seemed to be a, a larger proportion than usual. And I did find that in usual, in other years, I should say, I have some really like uh, strong opinions about these are my strong tops and these are my strong bottoms. Um, But in this one, I did not really have really strong opinions about most of the songs. I was like, all of them were kind of like, good. Yeah, I've got nothing. um, My scores went in the high 90s. My highest mm. scoring one, my score, my arbitrary score one out one hundred ninety two. Usually, my my absolute favorite is like, I'm like, oh, that's ninety eight to a hundred, bang on. Right, 
So it sounds too like it sounds too like you're, um, you know, you were feeling a little bit less uh, hyped on these songs than in some of the other years. There wasn't like one that was just really doing it for you. Absolutely, yeah, Um, yeah. I I love my top number one song. It's a really good one. Um, and it changed from how I probably felt back in twenty ten. Well, your tastes have probably changed too from yeah. 2010 to now. And like you can tell which ones probably stand up in, you know, the test of time a little more. So w- why don't you, what should we start with our number ones? Yeah. So what what do you, what do you reckon my favorite one is? Oh God. Oh, I should have been prepared for this question. Um, so I am going to say, God. Okay, well, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and say Moldova <laughs> simply because of uh, Sax Man. <laughs> right, yeah, let's talk about Epic Sax Guy. Cause he was so great. Uh, everyone loves Epic Sax Guy, so this is where the Epic Sax Guy meme started. From him thrusting and playing that sax riff. Or miming that sax riff. Um, yeah, well, it was fantastic. I am so happy to have seen it. <laughs> You've now experienced the original Epic Sax Guy and the return of Epic Sax Guy. Yes. Do you have a preference for which um, Sunstroke Project song? I think OG, the original. Oh, I, I, I mean, I that could be my recency bias, bias talking. <laughs> I, I thought this was going to be my absolute favourite. So you're very close to thinking. Am I? As it came, yeah, I, I went in thinking this is going to be my absolute favourite. It's got Epic Sax Guy. I loved it at the time. It was so funny just seeing him thrust with his um, saxophone. And I still like the song. I still, I say, no, I still love the song. But I only put it eighth. I prefer, Did you? I prefer the uh, time when I came back with um, Hey Mama. I thought that's a much stronger song. And maybe I was being a bit harsh. I was judging it against Hey Mama. Um, right. It's just not aged as well as I remember. Um, like, so like the the verse is kind of forgettable. It's only the chorus and the um, sax riff that slaps. Yeah, I definitely gave it credit for the spectacle. I thought the whole thing was just like super fun and kind of ridiculous in a fun way. Um, like the uh, spinning fiddle player. Have you seen on SNL the Christmas special where Will Ferrell is singing um, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year in a turtleneck on a spinning platform? I haven't, no. Okay, so this essentially the skit is that like he's trying to sing while he's on this spinning platform, just like this this guy in the performance, and it gets um you know like faster and faster, and he like you know he's gets crazy dizzy and whatever. Anyway, all I can think of that was that when I was watching this, and I'm like, how was this guy miming the fiddle while spinning on a glowing you know turntable? It was just like crazy and ridiculous. Throw some sax guy into that, plus a song that I did you know, find fun and liked and whatever. I scored it uh, five. Wow. Yeah. So you my, scored a five for me. My, I feel like my scores are going to be kind of surprising to you, like what I put up top, simply because I think that the usual types of songs that I gravitate towards, there weren't really much of this year. So it's kind of like going to be all over the place. So, okay. I, I have got two predictions for your tops. We'll okay. Come later. Okay. But my actual favourite, 
um, was uh, the Turkish song, uh, Manga. That was, we could be the same. Was, that was my second guess. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, back in 2010, I would have been um, 22, 23. Um, I'm really struggling to remember how old I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long year. <laughs> but yeah, so back back then... I'd grown out of my Linkin Park phase when I was like, you know, that was a, all the rage when I was like 15, 16 at high school. Mm-hmm. By that time, I'd moved on to ska punk music, which I still love. That's still my favourite type of music. And yeah. I think back then, I would have been like, oh, that's music I used to listen to. I didn't get the nostalgia hit that I get from that now. Now I listen to that, I'm like, oh yeah, this this is the sort of thing I used to listen to when I were a kid. Right, it hits different. It really does. So I think that's why I scored it as my favourite with 92 points out of 100. Nice. And it scored very well in the actual results too. It came in second place. Um, I scored it ninth. I did uh, enjoy it. Um, I think that my love of the rock songs is not generally as high as yours but i did think that it was one of the better songs in the final um yeah so when you said that i was wrong on moldova if if i was gonna guess a second guess i would have guessed turkey so even though i didn't say it i still give myself credit but for getting i getting to know your tastes more you get a point there um thank you and they was like <laughs> love, love, like love love peace peace mentioned adding the record scratching gives it like a, a modern feel it's sure. actually out of date. It didn't feel out of date there because new metal uses that record scratching technique a lot. And funnily oh, really? enough, funnily enough, um, Finland uh, chose their act for the 2021 contest last night, and they're sending a new metal song with record scratching, and I love it. <laughs> nice. So this has held up the test of time, plus gives you a shot of nostalgia. What's not to like there? Exactly. Okay, can you guess what my number one is? Okay, so I've got two pred- predictions. Uh, I'm going to play play it safe and go either Belgium, Tom Dice, uh, me and my guitar, or the Russian act, uh, Peter Nolich and Friends, Lost and Forgotten. Okay, so I figured that you would... Um... Like the Belgium one, I thought that that would probably be your guess. Though my number one was Albania. Um, I don't know. I just liked the song. I thought that it had fun disco vibes. I thought that she gave gave a great vocal performance. Albania did not do well. <laughs> no, I mean, I scored it fifth as well. So, you know, high oh, up so there for you- me. Yes. Okay. I was I I was so surprised that it didn't do better. Um, Belgium, I really liked as well. I actually scored it um, not quite so high though at sixth place, which is exactly where it came in in the results. But um, but I did really like that one. Uh, though Russia, I scored twenty second. <laughs> <laughs> so you were very close on one and like way not off. Cl- way off on the other but i i chalk it up to my sort of out of left field scoring on this one <laughs> because this year it, it was it was a little bit all over the place not my usual scores yeah so so uh juliana pasha it's all about you um not to be confused with the mcfly song it's all about you uh, for Albania, uh, I, I like that one, and it reminded me of a song, and I can't remember the title of a song. Um, so if anyone listening can tell me, uh, make goats like 
give me love, 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 love. Will you give me love, 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 Ooh, love, 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 love. Do you, yeah. you know the song, don't you? Yeah. I don't I do. know what it's called, and I can't. Unfortunately, Google doesn't work with you singing a song that you half remember into it and tell you what that song is. <laughs> Someone should make that into an app. Well, what's this um, half remembered song? Right. Like, it's the. Uh, what's the. There is an app where you can just, like. Shazam. Hold, Shazam, yeah. It's yes. Shazam, except for, like, the uh, mouth lalas. Yeah. That should be an app. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if anyone can uh, tell me what that song is I would appreciate it because it reminded me of that and I spent like a good 20 minutes trying to remember what the actual lyrics were I feel like I Google. can find that if you can that would like... be great because <laughs> I could not and it had a um, violin solo who didn't love a violin solo yes yeah I just I mean like like obviously germany was the winner germany was the actual winner and so right after germany did their winning performance at the end i went back and played albania so that i was listening to the two side by side and i was like flabbergasted that i was like how is that a better song than this one i just i wanted to listen to them to you know right next to each other so i could see if i if if there was any kind of like bias or whatever, but yeah, I just thought it was a significantly better song. But of course, it's all subjective. So there you go. Indeed, and it, I wish somebody would tell the people on the um, Facebook Eurovision groups that music, like all art, is subjective. One thing that annoys me about that group is people posting, you know, this song is overrated. It's like, no, you just don't like it. That's okay. It's okay not to like something. And people like posting, like, you know, the song that won um, Melody Grand Prix in Norway last night. Like, it's terrible. It should have been this act who won. And it's such a bad way to look at music. It's okay to say, I don't like this. But when people state their opinion as fact, really ticks me off. Yes, that's the thing. That's the whole thing about uh, tastes and subjectivity. There is no right and wrong answer. <laughs> I mean, I think there is times when music can be terrible. And, you know, but that's when it's like technically bad. Right. <laughs> it's, it's different from being, this isn't to my taste. So the songs from the 2010 contest, I'm like, eesh, they're, they're flat there. And I find that annoying. Yeah. That, that I think, is when you can say a song is bad if it's, you know, sung badly. Which happens. Well, so that was, so so talking about Germany really quickly is that um, I liked the song better than I liked the performance. So the, the song itself, I still didn't like as much as Albania. But the thing that really set it apart for me is that um, I thought that the singing was very nice. I thought it was pretty. Um, But there wasn't a commanding presence. I found that the performers' um, vocals sounded a little bit immature, not strong like um, the Albanian performers was and some of the others. And I mean, I am no music expert. I just know what I like and what I don't like, right? Um, So I just found that the song itself uh, didn't have a strong enough performer to kind of like hold it at the same level for me. Hmm. That was, you know, I liked the song better than I liked her performance. So it's probably not going to surprise you. Satellite by Lena was my second favorite song of the night. Um, Is that Germany? <laughs> yes, Germany, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like that. It kind of reminded me, I don't know if Lily Allen made it across to Canada. 
yes. musically. Yes. Her vocal style was very much like Lily Allen, but was a strong German accent. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, she sounds like a, G- a German accent that's listened to a lot of like London vocalists. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> and I really like it. I think the song bops along. You know me, I love a bop as well as something yeah. heavy. I'm like, two extremes, heavy stuff, bops. Love it. <laughs> got um, it. But... I, I think the thing is, there's there's almost like a hint, like a soup son of Scar. And I'm yeah. like, I want to hear Lena, like in a sort of Orange County style Scar band, like No Doubt or Save Ferris. I think that that type of song would suit her vocals more. I found like this one, it just kind of like, I don't know, it got a little bit grating her particular vocal style. Yeah, I can, I can see how that would happen. I mean, just a matter of tastes again, right? But exactly. uh, so I scored Germany uh, a 14th. Fair enough. So middle of the pack for you. Middle of the pack for me. I, um, yeah, I I liked the song. I really did. Um, and I liked, uh, I liked her vocals. I just like wasn't quite as much of a standout as some of the others. And on a side note, I mean, like, I'm sure that it is a very overwhelming situation to be in in front of so many people and live and i i think that lena i mean she seemed to be on the younger end in terms of um the the performers at eurovision um but there were some very awkward moments in interviews with her (laughs) and um her acceptance at the end like you you know you gotta feel for her she was just so overwhelmed i don't think she could even like find words no. Um, so she would have been uh, 19 in 2010. Wow. Like, like what an accomplishment at 19 years old. That's crazy. Um, yeah, well, good for her. And uh, so you scored it very close to the top. And so yours, your one and two were the same one and two in the actual results. Just flipped. Yeah. Yeah. And then my third favorite song, Gonna Gotta Go to Iceland. So um, Hera Bjork, uh, Zinese Kwa. Yeah, I really liked that one too. I had that at number seven. So That's we like, both liked it significantly more than the actual results. It was proper Euro pop. Yeah. Um, and musically, I can see where Volcano Man comes from with that. Volcano Man? Yes, from the Eurovision film. Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought this, I was, this is another one that I was very surprised that it it didn't do better in the, uh, in the voting. Um, but I thought it was really fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Um, and like I said about it being Europop and remember our, our, um, bonus episode where we talked about the Eurovision and UK Mm -hmm. one, I realized when listening to, um, Zinesequa, uh, what UK Hun was missing, and it was missing bass. That kind of yeah. moved the song along. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Um, like, I mean, you can't have a really good, uh, like, sort of techno dance number without some good bass, right? Ian, it's all about that bass. <laughs> Fair. Um, so what else have you got in your top three? So my number two was Ukraine. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I really liked this. It was kind of like 
a cross between like a ballad and a rock song. She seems so cool. I really liked her. The wind machine was very on point with this one. So um, it was a standout to me and it was a standout too, I think because it was a little bit of a departure from uh, some of the other ones where there was a lot of sort of like really upbeat um, pop songs um, or techno songs. And then this one was a little bit different, but um yeah, that was uh that was a tops for me. Yeah, I did enjoy like the sort of driving guitars that kept that song moving. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. And then my number three was Portugal. So I'm really all over the map here. <laughs> so Portugal was uh a little bit more of the more traditional ballad style, I think, um, that you see in Eurovision often. I think that this song without this performer would have ranked significantly lower for me. But the vocals on this girl, it was so incredible. Like, I really think that her vocal performance elevated the song and um, and that made it a standout for me. Yeah, it was not one of my favorites. It was 20th for me. My main note is that it sounded like a, like a Disney princess sort of song. That is exactly what I know. (laughs) But I noted that as a good thing and you noted that as a bad thing. I wouldn't say a bad thing. I'm just like, it just sounds like a Disney princess song. I wouldn't say it was so bad. No joke. That is my note that this could be in a Disney movie. That is so funny. Um, Yeah. Like, I loved that. So, yeah. So my top three were Albania, which was 16th, Ukraine, which was 10th, and Portugal, which was 18th. So I was nowhere near. (laughs) No, you're very rarely near the actual tops, are you? Well, you know, it's I always seem to have uh like my top is always pretty close to the top but then i'm all over the place on my top five um i but yeah like i'm i'm even further than usual on this one i think like i am (laughs) i am really far from what the actual results uh my number four then was armenia armenia where have i put that oh apricot stone uh yeah i mean i i would there's two something I like was like the ethnic instruments. Yes, I enjoyed that a old, lot. Old bloke, so you know, in line with love, love, peace, peace. Yes, exactly. But I did say I did know it was like Poundland Shakira. Did you find I? I mean, I didn't really get that vibe. Although now that you mention it, I feel like I can see what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that this was uh like kind of a a fun blend between a modern pop song with traditional instruments and a traditional sort of um, flair on the chorus. Uh, and you could sort of, you could actually probably say the the same comments about Greece. I thought that Greece too was one where it was like a really fun modern pop song with some traditional elements that I thought were great. Um, I had Greece at eighth, which is in line with where it came in in the actual results. I had Greece at six. Um, I mean, we're playing love, love, peace, peace, bingo here because... I know! <laughs> I mean, what what were we had on that? Like, you know, traditional Greek instruments, drums, record scratching. <laughs> oh, if you took a shot for every one of those, you know... This is a... If you'd played, like, you know, Eurovision drinking games, this, this edition of Eurovision would get you hammered. That's right. <laughs> there's key changes, there's wind machines... There's all those ingredients that make a good drinking game. 
awkward is moments in the uh, points. There was even a, uh, I mean, I guess it wouldn't have been uh, in Love, Love, Peace, Peace, but we got a stage hopper. Uh, like yes. Spain, Spain had a stage crasher. So they, uh, so on when Spain performed uh, second, they had Jimmy jump, jump on stage. He is a noted stage invader. What? Yeah, like he's... he should be banned. I, I, I have no idea. What? I mean, I've got to say, you have not, you've not seen when um, United Kingdom Surrey had a stage invader. We'll come mm. to that one, uh, one, one time. But when when Surrey had a stage invader, he grabbed the microphone off her and started shouting political stuff down the microphone. Yikes. At least Jimmy Jump just tried to jump on stage, be on stage, join him with a dancing. He didn't disrupt the performance. Yes, I was actually very impressed with how he um, up fast. Yeah, the Spain, the Spanish performer all of the performers the dancers as well they just kind of like kept going they didn't miss a beat frankly i was a bit surprised though i don't blame them um for choosing to do the song again at the end uh simply because i did not find that their uh vocals were really disrupted in any way from having this guy on stage though of course you know it isn't ideal and i don't blame them for doing it again um i actually think though that my score for uh, Spain, which was not very high. It was um, 20th. Uh, I think that I would have rated it just a little bit higher if I hadn't heard it again. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I was just kind of like hearing it once. I was like, okay, I can get behind this a little bit. I like this kind of like circusy vibe. And then after he- hearing it a second time, I was like, oh, I've had enough of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the staging sort of makes it feel novelty, but it sounded like a 90s Eurovision song to me. Did it? Yeah. Yeah, um, like I thought I thought it was cool. I couldn't help think, why do you look like Leo Sayer? I don't know who that is. Um he's like this British singer from the eighties and he had curly hair and he was really short and he just looked like Leo Sayer. Oh. <laughs> and that's all I was thinking, but I wasn't thinking you look like Leo Sayer. I'm like, you look like that guy from the eighties with curly hair who was really short who sang songs. I couldn't remember who <laughs> Leo Sayer was. Could not remember his name. Fair enough. Um yeah, so uh, what else of note? Are there any other notable uh, top performers that you want to chat about? Um, so France made it into my top 10. That is unusual for you. Yep, they came in at seven. So Jesse Matador. So you've seen Jesse Matador in the Eurovision film. So you oh, know, in the yeah, song along? Yeah, in the song along. So you know when um, Lorene's coming down the stairs? Yes. And that guy says... She says, sing with me. And the guy who says, whose entire contribution is, yeah. Is That's that Jesse him? Matador. <laughs> <laughs> His entire contribution to the Eurovision film is going, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I assume he was singing along in the chorus and stuff, at least. I'm sure he was in the chorus line, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that this was really fun from France, too. I did not rate it particularly high. It was middle of the pack for me, but I... I enjoyed it. I thought the tumbling was really crazy and um, yeah. very good. They had it, there was a bit of like a Macarena vibe too with the uh, with the dance choreography, which was yeah. like fun. fun I did sort of put that. It felt like summer holiday music. Yeah, yeah, like, I agree. Summer holiday and World Cup music. And then when I was looking into it, um, 
Ale Ola Ole was the title of a album made in France for the uh, the ninety eight World Cup of like sort of football anthem songs. So that's where the song took its name from. Huh. And then it was used in the twenty ten World Cup coverage in France as their sort of theme music. So as oh, I was listening cool. to it, thinking, this sounds like the sort of song that you would hear on a football TV show. It's exactly what they used it for in France. <laughs> well, that makes perfect sense then. Yeah. But I, I was surprised how much I enjoyed that because, as we've discussed, I don't like football and things that make me think of football. But, you know, it got me moving in my seat. There you go. It was yeah, joyful. It was, and I'm it a big was fan fun. of joyful, it was joyful music. Yes. Yeah, that is very true. Um, so on the opposite note, oh. should we talk about the bottoms? Yep. Have a wild guess who's at my absolute bottom. Well, I'm going to guess that your bottom was in line with the actual results, and it's the UK. Deservedly so. I have it 12th. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was fun. I wrote in my notes... This could be on a cruise ship. Like, it's so kind of like cheesy um, cruise ship host. Do you know the vibe I'm talking about? But like, I liked it in kind of like a almost ironic way. I just, I don't know. I liked it. You can't like things in an ironic way. That's not how it works. <laughs> no, but like, okay, so it. I can. It's subjective. I can do what I want. <laughs> In. But you know what I'm talking about when I say that this could be a cruise ship or like a lounge singer. This yeah. could be he, this could be a song in like a cheesy caricature of a lounge like of uh, TV. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it yeah. was sort of like silly and ridiculous, and I loved it. See, love I, is love is over. Yeah, I liked it. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> love is an overstatement. I was gonna say. So my first notes was it sounded like a stock stock Aitken Waterman song. So do you know Stock Aitken Waterman? No. So um, they wrote a lot of the songs that were popular in the eighties. So Better the Devil You Know, um, Rick Astley, Never Gonna Give You Up. I know that, that sort one. of era of music. And surprise, surprise, the song was written by Pete Waterman, Mike Stock. And a third person who wasn't what's his face Waterman, uh, someone called Steve Crosby. Okay. So yeah, it sounded exactly like it was written by them. I didn't like it. Uh, it <laughs> Either sounded, did the rest of Europe, apparently. To me, it sounded dated, um, like a B side of the Jason Donovan single. I don't know who Jason Donovan oh, is either. I know I'm God. terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry, my friend. <laughs> the backing vocalists did not help because they were off key. I thought it was fun. I don't <laughs> know why. I feel like, I, you know what? This comment doesn't make sense. What I was about to say is I feel like you, your expectations are higher because you want a representative from the UK who is going to, you know, like be better, score better and understandably so and i'm kind of looking at it as like did this bring me joy yes it did but um the reason why this comment doesn't make sense is because uh it's not just your score it is the actual score europe did not like it either so i am the odd man out here <laughs> you're the outlier <laughs> that's right <laughs> um 
Okay, so do you want to guess what my bottom is? Um, Belarus. You are correct. I didn't like this one. For the listener, Good job. I did a dub. <laughs> I thought this one was just cheesy and bad. And then, I mean, they had two male vocalists. Lots one... of outstretched palms to the camera. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, They had two male vocalists. One was horrible and the other <laughs> one could carry a tune. Then I was like, why would they divide the singing up between these two? Just let the one good singer, you know, carry the load. And then the butterfly wings. It was just like cringe. <laughs> the butterfly, the butterfly wings. I can't even say it. The butterfly wings were so camp. I laughed, oh, my God. I laughed so hard when they popped out. It was, it was just, I mean, like, I like some camp, but I, I think that there is like a fine line between campy and cringy. And this, this was the cringe end of camp for me. (laughs) Uh, It was too cheesy. It was not good. Yeah, I I didn't rate it high. I obviously rated it higher than you. I put it 17th. Oh, that's like pretty, you know. Middle of the pack. Middle. I've got to be honest. I wasn't enjoying it, and then the butterfly wings happened with a key change, and I laughed so hard. I was like, this gets a few more points at this point. (laughs) Oh my god, so you liked it ironically? I know, I know, I've got no consistency. (laughs) (laughs) See? I mean, you can like it for reasons other than it being like a great song. Um, But yeah, for those very same reasons, I did not like it at all. Uh, And then rounding out my, my bottom three... I had um, Israel in 24th place and Nor. Did you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one was just, I don't know. It was off key. It wasn't a good song. Yes, you exactly. are nodding in agreement. Yes. Yep, same notes that it was off key. Um, poor breath control. The worst, the worst thing they could have done, though, in the recap, they showed a really off key bit. I'm like, oh, you did him dirty there. I know. Oh, I was like, did they do that on purpose? Because I also noted that my 23rd place was Norway and they showed a particularly strong clip in the recap for Norway. Like I thought the clip that they showed in the recap made it seem like it was a much better song than it actually was because I didn't like this at all either. So my 23rd was Spain, who we've already spoken about. But right. my twenty-second place was Norway. So oh, only so one point we're ahead pretty of you. close on the bottoms. Yeah, because like when he started off with the a cappella singing, he completely missed the first note when it came in oh. with the music. Yes, the there were several moments of off-key singing, and then the lyrics. You know how I do not generally pay much attention to the lyrics, but these were not good lyrics it was like it was so juvenile it was like a kindergartner could have written these lyrics and the song was sort of so simple and slow that i couldn't help but just note every single word of this terrible children's poem (laughs) that became this song i didn't like it i'm gonna have to now look at the lyrics and see how bad they are because oh yeah let's do that Okay, so it's having a look at the lyrics now. There's not many of them, actually. And it is, like you say, it is bad poetry. Like, 
Or it's, give us a it, taste. It's like it's like it was written by someone who was like 15 and sort of fancied a girl in their class and would write a poem in their maths lesson. You are like a sunset behind a mountain somewhere. And when I cannot see you, I know you're still there. Because my heart is yours, I'll never <laughs> leave you. Though we are far apart, I'm by your side. My love is never gone. I feel it rise again. Through it all, now my heart is yours. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's, those are actually like better than I remember them being. And that's saying something because they're not good. <laughs> no, I, I'm not a fan. I don't like poetry. I don't like... I like bad poetry even less. And that does read like bad poetry. <laughs> Yeah, I just I didn't like this. And I I this is me being a weirdo, I think probably more than anything. But like, um, th- I guess this is what I'm talking about when I was saying at the beginning with uh, what was the fiddler's name? Alexander. Alexander Ryback. Yeah. So when I was talking about how it's like, I don't know when they're um, just kind of like overly confident in a weird cringy way i feel like that often materializes in really like long earnest unbroken eye contact with the camera that just makes me cringe and that that was a little bit here too that i was just like ew i don't stop look away (laughs) i don't like it (laughs) it feels put on I want to just uh, find out how you felt about Ireland, uh, Neve Kavanagh. Um, it's for you. How did you feel um, about that one? I liked it. I had it middle of the pack at number 13. Oh. Fair enough. To me, it sounded like Ireland still thinking it's like the early 90s there. I definitely had that same vibe, which I think was like, you know, I like an early 90s Irish jam ish uh so middle of the pack but yeah it felt a little bit dated but dated in a way where i was like yeah it's i guess it's still still yeah. a pretty good song there may be a reason that that song felt early 90s which we'll discuss another time oh, mm. oh we're gonna discuss it another time another time is it because it was written in the early 90s and then like came back 20 years later no that song was written for that contest oh well but we we shall discuss some of okay st- like uh, like to be continued indeed i did like the end of the penny whistle just so you knew it was an irish song yeah it definitely <laughs> it was like so okay, irish at that point <laughs> then this is like neon sign irish irish <laughs> um yeah i think that that's kind of all of the big uh standouts for me how about you any more to discuss there is one we need to discuss okay your friends with the piano. <gasps> Romania! Romania, Paula selling an Ovi. I liked this. Fire. They were my number 11, so just barely in, not in my top 10. Um, but I remember them fondly from the circular piano. Um, I was a little disappointed that they went with simple, clear light up pianos instead yeah, of a just, circular just a one. clear perspex double ended piano. Exactly. I mean, they went low key this time, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I enjoyed it. I thought the song was fun. Um, yeah, I was happy yeah. to see them again. Yeah, sadly, no more uh, Paula selling an Ovi yet. For now, but only no. for now. You never know; they might come back with more piano props. 
for now. But you know why? Do you like a maybe? It's because in some of these cases, uh, I am seeing both with Saxman and with these two from Romania, I am seeing their first performance after their more recent performance. And so these guys started with a, you know, clear light up double ended piano and they, you know, stepped Up it up their to, game. yeah they up their game to my circular piano so i'm kind of um i'm seeing their upped game first and then their og performance second so maybe that's why it's feeling a little bit like a step down from the original yeah, that's true what would you like to see from uh paula selling next in the way of piano props what would i like to see from them next yeah um if it's going to be a piano prop i feel like um, we've done circular, we've done clear, but we haven't done like a like a a, a keytar. I guess I'm going to go with keytar. Oh, I was going a bit more futuristic. I was thinking maybe like a projection of a piano that they interact with. Oh, like lasers. <laughs> maybe the like laser piano. Have you ever seen those things that people that it's a real instrument that you can actually use? It's like big laser beams, and you have to put, you put your hand in front of a beam. Of light, it's not a laser, it's a beam of light. And it breaks the beam and it plays a note. Obviously, there's no live instruments in Eurovision, but they could mind that. No, I have never heard of that. I want to play that immediately. Someone get me a laser piano, I'm (laughs) gonna learn it. (laughs) Um, okay, well, uh, any other standouts? I think we're done with the uh, interesting standout artists. Um, I agree. There's yeah. a lot of... There's... I don't think, other than, in my opinion, our bottom... Well, our bottom sort of 3-4. I don't think there's any sort of songs in that middle area that are really notable, kind of, oh my god, it's so good, or oh my god, I hated it. Agree. agree. There's a lot of... Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. And then I think we got a lot more of, huh, that's okay, uh, throughout the remainder of the final. <laughs> yeah. The intermission, the halftime, the voting, all of it was like, it was okay. Yeah. Um. So in the interval, we had that sort of video of the artist at some sort of pre-Eurovision party. Oh, that was weird. None of it was in English, so I had no idea what was happening. That I thought that was terrible, actually. I mean, like... I I know that not everything is going to be in English, and fair enough. I don't expect it all to be in English in, in Eurovision, of course. Um, but to have a lengthy uh, interval where uh, there's so little going on that, like, if you don't speak English, you can't enjoy it in any way. Or I'm sorry, if you don't speak, what language was it in? Well, I think, it, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I think they were speaking in, like, the artist's native languages. Okay. To them. I mean... Yeah, so I mean, like, so for not, not all the songs are in English. I don't understand the songs, but I mean, I'm still enjoying them. There are still things that I can enjoy. But with this, if you don't speak the language, there is nothing else happening. So some subtitles or something would have been good. Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened in the UK during that. If it was like, I don't know if it was like a you know a local only broadcast or if the UK oh. sometimes the UK sometimes will replace something with like their own little featurette, and different countries will do that. You know, during the advert breaks. Uh, right, you know, of course. Some countries will have their own specific stuff. I don't really know the details, but it, I was just left confused by that. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. <gasps> Speaking of the UK, what was that? The Graham Norton interview. Oh. That was so awkward. 
Yeah. I'd block that from my memory. The only thing that he said there that I do remember being quite true was when he was asked what makes a good Eurovision song. And it's the most sense I've ever ever heard Graham talk about Eurovision when he said, we don't know. Because yes. there's not one thing that makes a good Eurovision song at all. I I mean, as yes, I agree. I really like Graham Norton. I know that he is not your favorite and you don't feel like he is a true Eurovision fan and therefore not a great representative of it. But I felt the awkwardness from this interaction was really driven by the awkward host. <laughs> but either way, it was just one of those cringe moments that I couldn't wait for it to be over. Yeah. Um. Then we have also in the interval, I've got a stream of consciousness notes regarding the okay. interval. Um, so they said, you know, about dancing. And my first note was, oh, God, not a dance interval. I hate dance so much. And then those two singers, Madcon, I think they're called, they're performing the name of, they were singing whilst walking through the audience. And I started enjoying it because I started enjoying watching the security guards push people out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turned into a flash mob. Yes, and I was really digging it for a a bit, and then it just kind of went on and on and on and on. (laughs) I thought it went on a little bit too long, but um, all things considered, I, I enjoyed... I enjoyed the nostalgia of seeing a flash mob again. See, I had a a real journey with this. My (laughs) first thoughts were, oh, it's a flash mob. Thanks, I hate it. (laughs) <laughs> and then they were going through all these countries and showing crowds of people all joyously having fun. I'm actually getting a little bit emotional now. I, I shed a little tear just thinking all those people in one place all enjoying the same moment together. And it genuinely just got me a little bit upset with everything that's going on. I was like, oh, I miss that. I miss being um... amongst people all enjoying that same moment. It genuinely struck me. Like, what an amazing way to look at that and a great place to go to to um, have this... And I hate flashbulbs. ...nostalgic reaction of... Yeah, but it's so true. I mean, like, this is like the Eurovision community and countries um, all coming together all at the same time, everyone in one place. And, uh, yeah, we don't get that these days. And, um, yeah, I can see why that would be an emotional moment to yeah. think about think about that and hope for it to come again. Well, I did, then I was drawn back to 2020 slash 2021 yeah. when they started going <laughs> to the fan cams in people's houses. I'm like, this is what that gonna, was? Yeah, that sounds like people's houses. So I'm like, that's what this year's going to end up probably looking like, I reckon. I, think, I thought that that was like family members of performers or something like, but that was just like people at home watching. Uh, yeah, because... Um, so, for example, um, Verka Saduchka, um, I don't know if you know this character with like a, a silver star on their head Mm-mm. in those cameras. So, Verka Saduchka, Verka Saduchka is a former Eurovision artist who Ginny spoke about in our interview. Yes. Um, so, they featured uh, Verka in their house with the character who plays their mother. So, pretending to sort of be a family in that scene. So, oh, I think it cool. was just general sort of families. Gotcha. Watching, uh, you know. And I reckon that's what Eurovision 2021 could end up looking like. Because a lot of TV shows have done that, featuring like Zoom audiences. 
Yeah, that makes sense. If they choose to do it that way, I think it's a way that would make sense. And I think that um, that would be a good approach. I think it would be fun to see people enjoying it in their homes. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I did get a little bit emotional. Oh, that's such, you know, that's such a like, that's such a nice reaction. The, The nostalgia of the times when we could all be together and... I oh god, I really hope that happens again in the relatively near future. Um after that we had the usual results weirdness, starting with that yes. sort of um going to the executive supervisor of the EBU of the of Oh the that EU was super, super weird. Yeah, like that sort of zoom in, that dramatic zoom to the wrong person. Ha 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 Yeah. Oh, why do they do that? Why do we need to hear from that guy? <laughs> I don't mind hearing from him say, you know, the votes have been counted and verified. You know, that's fine. Involve the supervisor a little bit, but trying to make a little funny skit out of it. No, thank you. No. Also, that guy lacks charisma, unlike Yon Sand, who was the uh, supervisor in like the last sort of five, six years. Yeah. He, he... Yeah. He was very wooden, and that's fine. Yes. He, he, he's the sort of person who's behind the scenes. He doesn't need to be a TV guy. I know, which is why I'm like, why do we need to hear from him? <laughs> but, all oh, right, it is what it is. It's tradition. Yeah. But, yeah, that was just sort of cringe. I know, I was um, a bit alarmed when they said they were going to give out all the points. I'm like, no, God, how long? Oh, no, oh, God. Thankfully, it was just kind of way it was worded. They were just doing, like, the top three. And yeah. showing the... Uh, oh. Low yeah. points. I was quite relieved by that. Agreed. And then we have our winner. Yeah. Um, Germany. Decent song. I'm not sad about that. Decent song. You're right. Yep. And that is 2010 Eurovision final in the books. Indeed. Um, it's a decent Eurovision. It's not the worst. It's not the best. I agree. It was uh, good. It a was... C minus, I would give it. If I was going to give it a score. A C minus. I think that that, I think that, uh, well, you know, yeah, okay, that actually does check <laughs> out. <laughs> Maybe a C. I'll be, gener- I'll be a little more generous and give it a C. Middle <laughs> of the pack. Yeah, it was enjo- enjoyable. Um, I had a really busy week this week, uh, so... I had to watch it in a few bits, so it was um, a weird viewing experience, not going in sort of, going in somewhat so sort of, um, not low energy, but low in terms of spectacle. Yeah. It, when I was sort of watching it after finishing work, I was like, this isn't geeing me up very much. Yeah, yeah, that I I agree. It was um, not not terribly memorable, because there wasn't a ton of spectacle. Exactly. Yeah, um, I'm hoping our next one's going to be memorable, because um, how do you feel about shell suits? Shell suits? Yeah. Like, what's that? Oh my god, it's like the most 90s fashion choice that ever existed. Shell suits? Yeah, it's like a sort of, I don't know how you describe it, it's like joggers and... Athletic. Oh, wear. like a windbreaker. It's yeah, a windbreaker. windbreaker. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> like, we're a '90s windbreaker. Yes. Yes. We're going to 1993 in Mill Street in the Republic of Ireland. Okay, I can't. 
wait, I hope they're wearing big sneakers with their shell suits. <laughs> and uh, I hope they all have perms. I, I cannot wait. I can confirm there are perms because to make sure the video <laughs> clip worked that I found, the uh, video I found, I sort of skipped into it and I skipped straight to the German act by sheer chance. And there was big hair, there was perms. There were some questionable yeah. fashion choices. I'm here for it. Yes. Okay, I'm excited. 93. This is our only second. This is only our second one from the 90s, right? And we'll be seeing a familiar face. Who? So you remember before I asked about Ireland in 2010? And yes. Kavanagh. She right. represented for Ireland in 1993. Oh, so this is why. Yes. Okay. So we will be able to discuss her next week. Very good. Okay, well, looking forward to that. Yes. So next time, Eurovision 1993 in the tiny town of Mill Street in Ireland, in the Republic of Ireland. With Cannot all wait. All of the 90s fashion choices. Um, as always, we're going to be having our little post podcast chat about all things drag race. Um, yes. But if you're not a drag race watcher, um, until next time. Bye. Right then, so it's time for the bonus podcast chat about Drag Race US and Drag Race UK. Yes. Um, so firstly, I'll mention uh, for Drag Race UK, if you've not listened to our special bonus episode, because they did a Roo-Roo-Vision Eurovision tribute episode. Uh, we've, we discussed that in a standalone episode with an interview from uh, drag race icon Ginny Lemon, who um, spared some time for an interview, which I'm still insanely grateful for, for both Ginny and the BBC for making that happen. I'm thanking the BBC on this podcast for making something like, happen. That's so crazy. You're a big deal. You are a big deal, Chris. You are <laughs> a broadcast journalist and having interviews with legit stars. Oh, so, so cool. Pretty cool. It's so cool. Um, so I think we should start with Drag Race UK because we've only got one episode to discuss there. Um, okay. The latest episode, um, everyone's favourite, The Snatch Game. The Snatch Game. And it's um, everyone's favourite, but I find lately Snatch Games tend to bomb a lot. There's a lot more bombing than there used to be on the Snatch Game. Yeah, I was going to say everyone's favourite, um, but not mine. Because it uh, my secondhand embarrassment is so strong <laughs> during Snatch Game that when they bomb, they tend to bomb hard. And, it, and of course, like the show highlights the you know, sort of like the best and the worst <laughs> of the things that they say. So like the cringiness is real for They're me. not afraid to show a joke that doesn't land and then hit that shade noise button. Oh my God, no. And it's like on a total side note that I won't go see live comedy anymore unless it is a very seasoned comedian. Because I've gone to, we have like amateur comedy clubs uh, called Yuck Yucks in uh, Canada. And I've been to those and I I always like clap awkwardly even when, <laughs> even when they're not funny. I have this weird reaction that I just, I can't enjoy myself because I'm so... Um, nervous for them that they're going to bomb. <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, the comedian Neil Hamburger? No. Have you ever heard of Neil Hamburger? No. So his whole shtick is being a bad comedian. 
Oh. And he deliberately tells jokes that don't land just to antagonize the audience. It's the funniest thing. It's so funny. I would never be able to watch that. Never. And he sort of does it in like, he sort of, he looks dirty when he's in character. He looks like a sort of cabaret lounge sort of comedian. He yeah. always has like three cocktails crooked, like, you know, in under his arms. Like he has like um, his arm to his chest, like three sort of whiskeys next to him. Yes. And he's talking like this. He's like making these horrible noises through it. It's oh, God. so funny. That sounds terrible. It's I will so never funny. watch that. <laughs> um, so, Snatch Game. Yeah. Um, I think I want to start on high. Bimini Bomboulash nailed it as Katie Price. Do you, nailed it. Do you, did so you, good. Have you had Katie Price over in Canada? Um, ish. Like, uh, she is not a super well-known name, but oh, well-known... sounds in- better by the minute. <laughs> I, I know who she is, um, but, like, I would not have been able to pick out, um, like, if I didn't know that Bimini was doing uh, Katie Price, I would not have known based on her impression alone. Like, I, we don't know her well enough to be able to say, like, oh, that's that's a Katie Price impression. I can um, confirm that Bimini nailed that impression. Obviously, it's exaggerated, <laughs> but that is basically what Katie Price talks like. But what's great is that, like, you don't even have to know who Katie Price is to appreciate the comedy. It was yeah. funny either way. Um, and I think that that's what makes a great Snatch Game. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you say about you don't know people. I don't know Kath and Kim, but Taste was funny as um, Kath Day Night from Kath and Kim. Yes, I've heard of and Kath and know, Kim, but I don't know any of her references, but she made me laugh. Yeah, I thought that she did great. I was not expecting her to be praised quite as highly as she was. Um, Like, I guess maybe it's because they always need to give the impression that they're trying to choose between queens for the um, for the winner, because, you know, like uh, production. But there was a clear, very clear winner in this challenge. I was was alarmed when it was like looking like they were going to give Taysu and it was like, were you you watching the same version of events as we've just seen on tv right exactly like the, this is not a question here there like, is a very Tate clear was a very strong second don't get me wrong yeah but, um but a clear second place yeah uh um, but lawrence cheney woof. i mean i I thought she was going to do well here. I thought this was going to be her jam. But it's so true what she said, too, that, that like, it's always the comedy queens who seem to choke. Maybe it's because they get in two in their head or something. I think it just has to be the case. Obviously, with, like, exception from, like, Bianca Del Rio, who is such a trained, established comedian. Mm. You know, when it was her snatch game, you know, nailed it. But, you know, seasoned professional there. Whereas Lawrence yes. is still, you know, he's only 21. That's so crazy to me. I, I have to remind myself how young these queens are but, in um, most what, cases. What Lawrence did wrong for me, not what he said as um, Miriam Margulies, because I don't know how much TV Miriam Margulies does in Canada. Um, I had to look her up. I didn't know her by name. And once I saw her picture, I recognized her. I know who she is, From but Harry I still Potter. can't. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I, I couldn't name her filmography or anything, but I recognize her. She is an absolute icon of saying the wrong thing. So she oh. she comes on, do, does a lot of sort of appearances on like Graham Norton uh, chat show, on Graham's chat show. 
Um, she's mm-hmm. been on there a lot of times, and I think I see a friend of Graham Norton, and she's done like travelogues for the U- for for the BBC, and she will say things about I cream my knickers basically. But what I found was wrong was Lawrence Cheney's voice was so wrong for it mm. because he Lawrence Cheney has a big boomy chest voice, and yeah. he was using that. It was like listening to Brian Blessed talk. Whereas Miriam Miriam Margulies is from the back of a throat. <laughs> that's where she speaks from yeah and he he did i think if he'd done the voice better it might have saved him but with the voice being so wrong um yeah i don't know and- i mean i don't think it was just the voice i think it uh definitely it sounds as though there could have been a better impersonation done there, but the jokes just weren't funny. And maybe it's because I'm not familiar with her gaffes, uh, Miriam's gaffes on um, talk shows and whatnot. And so I didn't know what Lawrence was referring to, but it just wasn't funny. And I like, I mean... I think that that must have humbled Lawrence a little bit because uh, three wins in a row, um, she was rightfully, I think, you know, really feeling herself. And then uh, there are some competitors out there like Bimini really surprised me and uh, her fashion look too, Bimini's. Yes. Like it was gorgeous. And I have found that Bimini's looks up to now have been very hit or miss for me um it it uh didn't look super polished in a lot of cases in my opinion it looked a little bit trashy and this was like gorgeous high fashion like a look and i didn't think lawrence really gave a great delivery on the runway either no lawrence definitely should have been in the bottom two i think for that episode but Lawrence went against my lovely, lovely tea, tea and coffee. coffee. Eurovision it was time. Fan, it was coffee. time. Yeah. I, uh, tea and coffee was one of my very favorite queens as a person. Um, you know, just the most lovely person and like a wonderful personality. So and funny. 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 Yes. Very Unless funny. Unless it be in Mel B in a snatch game. Right. Funny in like as a person, funny in day to day, but it didn't it wasn't translating in the um, challenges. And I I do think that it was time. I think Tia Coffee was the right one to go home. Yeah, I think Tia Coffee went in with that one gag about Eddie Murphy and Mm. couldn't see past that rather than just being in the moment, which Tia is hilarious when in the moment, like being told to sashay away by RuPaul. Are you sure? Yes, like she's so funny on the runway, and like uh, guess Rue ordered her coffee to go. Like that was <laughs> such a great line. She's so funny, and it's just like I don't know. In a similar way, I think that like I think Joe Black, like looking at the the drag that Joe Black does outside of Drag Race, was just so much better and better suited. Um, to to him than the contest itself was right then yeah. it was the same i think for tea coffee is just like i feel like i don't know it just did not translate to the particular challenges that they had to do so i do think that it was the right call but i'm sad to see her go same um the, the open invite still there if tia wants to join us on a on a call for the podcast oh there you to, go welcome to come chat eurovision with us yes 
Um, anything else on UK Drag um, Race that you want to chat about? No, there's nothing else of interest, I think, to talk about about UK Drag Race. Oh, I do want to, um, I think that we're at a point now where I, I like, I am ready to make a call on my top four for both UK and US. I think UK is a lot easier, um, but because there's fewer of them, because there are fewer of them. Uh, but yes, so there were four of them in this episode. It was Lawrence Cheney's team where they are, they, they were all like top four and, um, that was my top four as yeah. well. So that's um, Lawrence, Tace, uh, Ahura, and Bimini. Yeah, uh, for me, my top two, Lawrence and Bimini. I think it would Agreed. be those two for the win. Those are also my top two. I agree. Yeah. So Drag Race US. So we've got two episodes to quickly discuss there. So um, first one was Bossy Rossi Veru Boot. Where the hilarious Ross Matthews, the mildly entertaining Ross Matthews, Rue, I think you mean. I love Ross Matthews, <laughs> so I I am down with um, that descriptor for him. The sort of improv challenge, and I love when one queen says, I'm really good at improv, I want to do this challenge. I've been in an improv troupe. Oh, Utica, Utica. Never, say you're, never say you're good at something on Drag Race, that is a curse. Yes. Never admit that you, like, you could be a fashion designer who's designed clothes for Lady Gaga. Gaga. Don't say you're a seamstress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Utica, it was so cringy. It was bad. I mean, there were a few cringy moments throughout, but yes, because Utica was very, like, confident in her abilities as an improv um like dominator that was especially bad but i also really felt for utica in this moment um where i think that because she she doesn't exude confidence and she is a little bit socially awkward that i think that she has a tendency to be steamrolled and taken for granted or taken advantage of if you will and um i think that um in in this case uh like she didn't get the role that she wanted. And I was very proud of her in the very next episode that we're going to talk about where she really stuck to her guns and, and, you know, got the role that she, that she wanted. So I think that like, that was a moment I was happy to see for her, but yeah. like, woof, this was, this was bad. This was bad. Well, Utica wasn't the worst. Utica was just the worst out of those three for that challenge. Because right. I mean, got Mick played that sort of psychologist character so well. Yes. I just pointing to the book subtly all the time and picking it up like and in my book, uh, and then Olivia looks as the doing as the mime, like yeah. and actually going with the yes and. So when um, got Mick would say, and it was a windy day and it was raining and you know and reacting to it in real time. I have to say, though, I mean, I think that Olivia Lux did a great job, but I have to say that I think that that was a guaranteed winner to be the mime yeah and that and uh, i think that if utica had been in that role she would have done just as good of a job i maybe as as olivia lux did because i mean like if if essentially got mick was 
narrating to say, oh, she was running. And then you mime running. Like, that's yeah. pretty easy to do. And you don't have to worry about coming up with funny lines. Like, I I almost think that virtually anybody in that role could have done it well. Maybe not best, maybe not winning, but it would have been hard to do that really bad. Yeah. Um, talking about really bad was Elliot with two T's and Tina Burner. <gasps> yeah, that was bad. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, <laughs> there's a level of awkwardness in all, of, in, in, you know, like, in all of the challenges, I find that there are, you know, there are some that just, like, don't have quite as, um, easy a time of it as the others, and... Elliot is not an improv queen. No. Um, no. Not at all. It was definitely the worst of a night. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, didn't, didn't, did not love it. <laughs> no, but can we talk? Okay, so um, obviously Lala Ree is the queen who went home on yes. this episode. Um, Lala Ree and Elliot with two T's were the two bottom queens and they lip synced against each other. My God, this lip sync. It was so good. It was the two of them. They're both dancers. They killed it. And I think that like, I was like, I was like, thank goodness for Elliot with two T's that she could bring the level of uh, dance skill that was required um, against an incredible performer and dancer like Lala Ree, because I think that Lala Ree should have gone home last week. I told you that, you know, like uh, in no uncertain terms, I thought her bag dress oh, was so unforgivable. Bad. And so I do think she was the right queen to go home. I think that it was her time, but she would be a tough one to win a lip sync against. But Elliot with two T's really brought it. I I was Turned quite out. impressed. Yeah, I was quite impressed. Um, and then lastly, on to the next episode, so social media, the unverified rusical. I thought Elliot with two T's actually stood out a bit more. Even though they di- didn't shine in the challenge, they definitely showed a bit more. And they, I was, they nailed that Billie Eilish look. I was very pleasantly surprised with that. I thought that that performance was very good. I did not, you know, like kind of know what to expect clearly. Elliot uh, is a great dancer, but I didn't know what to expect on the singing end of things or whatever. But I thought that that was very well done. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the ending of this episode? Um, the ending. Oh, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Candy Muse, but I'm just Drag Race Series 13 US. I'm just it's going on. It's really dragging, quite frankly. Yes. We're going to be at episode nine, and we've still got nine queens. I agree. I mean, we had those first two episodes where no one went home, and I was ready for I was ready for Candy to go home. I thought that she was the right queen to go based on her performance in this challenge, based on the lip sync. I mean, I I, I think that it made sense yeah. for her to go home. Track record and as well. Would have gone for for track Candace record. I agree. It made perfect sense, and I do. I feel like they're just milking it. They're just like it's just dragging. Um, I, like let the queens go home when it's warranted. I I did not need to have her no. come back. But aside from um, that, my favorite episode of series se- season thirteen so far. Because this was, but yeah, 
there was a lot of going for it. So the whole thing yeah. with Utica standing aground, getting a role that she wanted, that was great. Oh, I know. I was very like, um, I had a visceral reaction to Denali, like just assuming that she could take the role that had already been decided was Utica's. Yep. Just steam steamrolling her by saying, you know, like, okay, well, I'll just take that one. And then um, Utica saying, no, thank you, I, think- I will... <laughs> I will keep it. I was like, yes, good for you. And I then, like to see that. And then she wanted a role that Rose wanted, and they made an audition for it, and I loved it. Oh, yes. I know. Um, yeah, Rose, my goodness, what a performance that she put on in this musical. I thought it was terrific. Um, and she didn't get jammed out of a uh, win. No, yeah, exactly. There was like no shenanigans there no there were no shenanigans it was like i think it was jan's like over earnestness uh like over eagerness (laughs) to please that just like came off wrong but rose just knew that she had what it took i liked her confidence here when she was like okay let's audition let's do this you know like i was like (laughs) okay um uh okay so i have a top four um do you do you have a, a top four in mind I wouldn't say I have a top four, but I've definitely got a favourite. Um, I'm going to make an early call of my top four. I don't have one single favourite um, in in the US. I just have, you know, like who I think are going to make it the distance. Um, so my top four are um, Got Mick, Rosé, Olivia Lux, and Simone. Thinking about, it, I don't think I can disagree with you there. I think you're right. Yeah, I think that. I mean, Tina Burner, she has um, some strong points, but I don't think that she is going to go all the way to the top four. Denali, I think she brings some things to the table, but I don't think she's going to go all the way to the top four. Um, Candy Muse, I think, should have gone home when she was um, when she was yeah eliminated this week. And then Utica Queen and Elliot with two T's, I think that are probably the next they have i think that they're maybe the weakest left of the bunch oh it's kind of a crappy thing to say but you know, <laughs> i feel like yeah my my top four i think that um you've got some comedy in there you've got look queens you've got um singers and dancers like i i don't know what direction it's gonna be in you know go in but like all four of those they they bring a lot to the table i think yeah i think i can't disagree there. My my favorite so far is Got Mick. Yeah, Got Mick is just like like bringing incredible looks. And every um, challenge they sort of they rise to the occasion. Yes. So like even in this musical where like like you know Got Mick was feeling very insecure about the choreography and whatever but like turned it out. I am, and and ended up in the top, so fantastic. Yeah, so I think going on the fact that, you know, Gottmik is following all direction given, that's why Gottmik's my winner so far. But, you know, me saying that someone's my winner is the kiss of death, so sorry, (laughs) Gottmik, apparently you're going next time. Oh, no, well, I hope not, because (laughs) uh, I would like to see Gottmik stick around for a lot longer. Yeah. Um. Good stuff. Well, we'll be 
chatting about drag race again next time uh hopefully we will have some <laughs> some advanced movement in the u.s version where we have, we have eliminated a queen or two between now and then but we'll see i think it will only be one queen because i think we've got a fallow week coming up where there's no got a- fallow week where there's no episode next week oh is there not okay. yeah so i think they're taking a week break um for episode before episode nine, I believe they're doing a queen like how they filmed during COVID special oh. episode instead of an actual episode. So, well, that'd be interesting. That'll be, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, <laughs> Another episode to drag the season along without yeah. momentum, but <laughs> I fun. mean, I do actually think it will be interesting though to see how they how they coped with a pandemic in the middle of shooting. But, but yeah, I am ready to kind of like see some of these Queens start to go home. I like, I, I don't want it to be like, you know, two episodes left and we still have like seven Queens and then they all get eliminated all at once. I, I want to see prefer. some bags get packed. That's all I want. Yeah. I prefer it to see, like, that's just my preference is that I would like to see a queen go home every week until they have a very small, you know, three, maybe queens. Usually it's four, I know. But like, in my, if I ha- could have my way, I would rather that it get down to a very small number that are battling it out rather than like a ton of eliminations on the last episode or two. But yeah, anyway. Either way, still enjoyable. I am loving both seasons. U.S. has grown on me. I, at the beginning, I was feeling like, you know, not super hyped on the U.S. season compared to U.K., but it has gotten good. And I've um, definitely come to really enjoy a lot of these yeah, queens. Yeah, it's getting so. better. Yeah, yeah. Right then. Well, that's Drag Race Chat over and done with. So next time we'll be back to discuss the 1993 Eurovision Song Contest from Mill Street in the Republic of Ireland. Perfect. Talk to you then. So, until next time. Bye. Bye.